It's 6 p.m., and you're tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, March 8th, and this is your KVMR Evening News. I'm Julia Jem. Kelly Reese returns on Friday. With severe weather events having affected communities from San Bernardino County to right here in Nevada County, the California report covers the varying outcomes, including the effects of power outages and historic snowfall. After a local weather update, George Shurek, the building director of Nevada County's building department, discusses the implications of potentially hazardous snow loads. Then, KVMR's Al Stoller speaks with a meteorologist about the differing traits of California's recent and upcoming winter storms. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. At least 11 people have died since severe winter storms battered the San Bernardino Mountains with historic snowfall. But the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department claims only one of those deaths was storm-related. The department says the other deaths involved people who were already under medical care. Here's Sheriff Shannon Dykus speaking to Fox 11 in Los Angeles. There are no other deaths as of now that uh, we're aware of. Obviously, as we continue to clear buildings, if we find somebody that's related to that, I will certainly report out that it's a storm-related death. We just aren't seeing that. Dykus says authorities are focusing right now on outlying communities when it comes to rescue efforts. And the department is activating a reverse 911 call system, which the sheriff says will help give them a better idea of how many residents are actually stranded. In Northern California, thousands of residents and businesses in Nevada County have been without power for several days due to the ongoing winter storms. Pacific Gas and Electric says it expects to have the power back up for most of its customers by this evening. Without power, heat, and electricity, many families are struggling to get food on the table. Phil Alonzo is executive director of the Interfaith Food Ministry of Nevada County, which distributes food in the community. He says he got an urgent call from the County Office of Emergency Services. We need to get some food out to the little town of Washington. It's a small, isolated community up off Highway 20 outside Nevada City, and they are completely inaccessible and um, out of power. And so they had the Office of Emergency Services use one of their big trucks come to our facility, get loaded up with a bunch of bags and boxes of food, and they drove it out. Alonzo says he's seen a big uptick in families coming through looking for food. He says many of the volunteers are dealing with outages themselves, but they're still helping out those who need assistance. Public health officials in California are calling on the governor to reconsider a plan to slash funding to a training program for public health workers. CAP Radio's health care reporter Kate Wolf has the story. Last year, California committed millions to train workers in specialties like epidemiology, microbiology, and public health nursing. Now, Governor Gavin Newsom's office is proposing significant reductions to the program. That's because they're projecting a nearly $23 billion gap in the budget. Dr. Nancy Williams is the public health officer for El Dorado County. She says she worries that if another new disease crops up, the public health system won't be prepared. If it happened and we we weren't there to respond, people would say, well, where were you? How come you weren't doing this? Didn't you know better? But that's why we need the people. We need to be on top of these things and be able to respond faster next time. The governor's office says despite the cut, they're still putting $300 million a year into statewide public health efforts. For the California Report, I'm Kate Wolf.
With just four months left before California closes its state-run juvenile lockups for good, county officials are ringing alarm bells, saying they need more state support to make the historic transition successful. KQED politics correspondent Marisa Lagos reports. The June 30th closure of the Department of Juvenile Justice will cap a years-long reform effort. It's centered around the idea that young offenders will do better closer to home and in less institutional settings. An estimated 170 young offenders in state DJJ facilities will be sent back to their home counties this summer. And local probation departments will be in charge of their supervision and rehabilitation. Lassen County Chief Probation Officer Jennifer Branning is president of the Chief Probation Officers of California. Branning says she does see a lot of opportunity ahead. We've been doing this. We know how to do this. We know how to provide services. We know what services these kids need. We're really good at it. We just need the support to continue doing it. Brannings and other chiefs say the more than $200 million budgeted this year to help smooth the transition isn't enough. Their concerns include the practical. How do you run an entire program for a sex offender if the county only has one kid with those needs at a time? Are there enough staff, especially in rural counties? And they're also logistical, Branning says, like the question of where to house and treat young people coming back from DJJ who were convicted of violent crimes and can be as old as age 26. I am most concerned about the youth that are coming back from DJJ mixing with a more vulnerable population and how that's going to really have damaging effects Dan McAleer is the executive director of the Center on Juvenile and Criminal Justice and a longtime proponent of DJJ closure. He says counties have plenty of room and resources to make this transition work. We've got 12,000 juvenile hall beds and only about 3,600 kids in them. They have the institutional space. Now, uh, do they have the will is the, is the question. If you're just looking at bed space, one could argue that we are in a good position to receive them back. Issa Amon Kraus is Contra Costa County's probation chief. What I don't feel has been adequately considered is the higher need level of these young people, uh, whether or not counties have existing resources or the ability to even grow the capacity for those resources locally. Eamon Krause says she's learned a lot over the past two years since the state stopped taking new youths into DJJ, like that keeping those more serious offenders in Contra Costa Juvenile Hall is costing three times what the state is providing. That doesn't include all of the dollars we've invested in our educational partners, and that doesn't include the money we've invested in a social worker for the public defender's office. I mean, really robust programming to to meet these kids' needs, to really put them on the right path for success, right? The governor's office says it's giving counties hundreds of millions of dollars to make this change work. The probation chiefs say they hope to convince state lawmakers over the coming months that even more resources and support will be needed. For the California Report, I'm Marisa Lagos. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford HealthCare, where their greatest reward is a healthy patient. The California Healthcare Foundation, listening to Black Californians, a new study on how the healthcare system undermines their pursuit of good health, on the web at chcf.org/lbca, and Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Eleventh Hour Racing, 
working to connect sustainability with sport to help restore ocean health. On the web at 11thHourRacing.org. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, March 8th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Let's take a look at today's local news. Many Nevada County residents are in desperate need of propane to heat their homes, cook their food, and generally operate on a semi-normal level in the midst of recent winter storms. Propane companies in the area have been flooded with calls from customers desperate to have their tanks replenished. Mindy McClure, an office manager at Northern Sierra Propane in Grass Valley, said that the company is eager to help those in need, but keeping up with demand is proving to be a difficult task. We just get out there every day and do the best we can, she said. It's really hard to meet everybody's needs. Most people are not plowed and you can't get to them. Her advice to those who are monitoring their propane levels is to remain vigilant and to be as frugal as possible with your propane, utilizing alternative heat sources if at all possible. She's spoken with other propane suppliers in the area, each of them expressing their biggest obstacle is accessibility, not only to the customers' homes, but to the propane tanks themselves. Craig Griesbach, Director of Emergency Services for Nevada County, reminded the public of proper care and usage of propane tanks as well as generators. Don't run the generator all of the time, he advised. There's typically propane to the tank and the actual generator themselves, so when there's snow or ice, it could put stress on those lines. They can crack or leak. Check on them regularly. That's all from the Union. Turning now to a look at the regional weather forecast from the National Weather Service. In Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, mostly cloudy with a low around 29. East-southeast wind, 6 to 8 miles per hour. Thursday, a chance of rain and snow showers before 11 a.m., then rain showers, high near 45. South-southeast wind, 8 to 13 miles per hour, increasing to 16 to 21 miles per hour in the afternoon. Winds could gust as high as 30 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 90%. Little or no snow accumulation expected. Thursday night, showers. The rain could be heavy at times, low around 38. Windy with a south-southeast wind, 26 to 31 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 47 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 100%. New precipitation amounts between 1 and 2 inches possible. For Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 12. Southwest wind around 5 miles per hour. Thursday, Snow likely between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m., then rain and snow. The rain could be heavy at times. High near 38. South wind 10 to 15 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 30 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 80%. New snow accumulation of 1 to 2 inches possible. Thursday night. Rain and snow becoming all rain after 7 p.m. The rain could be heavy at times. Snow level 8,000 feet. Low around 33. Breezy with a southwest wind around 25 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 40 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 100%. Little or no snow accumulation is expected. And for Sacramento and the surrounding valley. Tonight, increasing clouds with a low around 38. South-southeast wind around 7 miles per hour. Thursday, showers mainly after 1 p.m., high near 51. Breezy with a south-southeast wind 7 to 12 miles per hour, increasing to 20 to 25 miles per hour in the afternoon. Winds could gust as high as 38 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 80%. New precipitation amounts between a half and three quarters of an inch are possible. Thursday night. Showers. Low around 48. 
Windy, with a south-southeast wind 29 to 31 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 46 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 100%. New precipitation amounts between 3 quarters and 1 inch are possible. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. With recent storms having unloaded significant snowfall and upcoming storms predicting significant rainfall, Nevada County's Building Department is advising residents and businesses to monitor buildings and roofs for signs of structure failure. News Director Claudio Mendoza spoke with George Shurik, the department's building director, to discuss the potential effects of excessive snow loads. There has been a lot of snow in the recent days, and some of that snow is sticking around, which is causing a dangerous situation What are you seeing happening around the county? Well, we've got some uh, very uh, disturbing commercial sites up near Nevada County uh, Airport up on Loma Rica area. We've had several buildings there, commercial buildings, have roof collapse or partial collapse. We've had some issues at the airport up there itself. Some of the hangars had some damage. So it seems to be combined to those uh, buildings that have flat roofs or nearly flat roofs where the, the snow melt has not been able to retreat off the roof in a quick manner. And then also those buildings are 50 to 60 years old. And, uh, you know, they've held up well for that long, but over time they've been weakened by snow. And this big event here in the last couple of weeks has really been the straw that broke the camel's back in a lot of aspects up in that area. And obviously, if we get this rain in coming this week, it is going to add a little more weight to those buildings until it does uh, melt off. So uh, we're still concerned we're not out of the woods yet. There are a lot of manufactured homes in our county. Can you talk a bit about those? Yeah, we did. Only report we have had is one out of Grass Valley on Laurel Lane. We had a it was actually a mobile home that sustained some damage. But that's the only one we've heard of in Nevada County up to this point. So we've been talking about flat or low sloped roofs. There's other concerns too, I would imagine. If there is, you know, an irregular roof or maybe some sort of chimney, that could collect snow as well, right? Oh, absolutely. If you have anything up there, a chimney, or some people have their HVAC systems on the roofs, whether it's a commercial building or a residential, uh, antennas, any of those type of uh, structures that are mounted to your roof, Snow will build up around those and and could potentially cause some uh, irregular snow load just in that one area around the HVAC, around the chimney, where you might get drifts, and then you might have a regular two to three foot load across your roof. But in those areas, snow drifts may bring those up to three and a half or four foot or more and cause uh, a snow load problem right in that one area around those obstructions. George, the county put out a release about snow loads and what you should do. And one of the things in that release was a number of things to look for. Can we talk about what those potential danger signs are? Sure. You know, you if, if you have some uh, snow load on your roof that's, that's causing some potential damage, you may see cracks in, inside the house on the walls through your drywall or plaster. Doors and windows, if, if they're having some settling from the weight above, your doors or windows may become hard to open, or you may notice them dragging when you when you try to open them. You may have some cracking or dropping of arches in your house because the weight on the roof is pushing downward, bulging walls out, uh, and then you may also have some water 
that may come through some areas that be exposed around your chimney or around your HVAC system that those weight on the roof is put little small holes in those areas or cracks and then you have moisture coming down through your ceiling. So you've got a lot of warning signs. And then obviously if you hear some cracking, so maybe some part of your structure's starting to go, if you hear that. And if you're scared at all, please get out of your building immediately. Call 911. We don't want you to endanger yourself because obviously if you have a two, three foot of snowpack on your roof come crashing through your living room, that's not a good place to be. So you mentioned quite a few. Let's say that I see one or perhaps two, what would trigger an evacuation on the part of a homeowner? If I see a crack in the wall and that's it, would that be cause to evacuate or do I need two or more? What's your advice there? Well, I would, you know, if you have a small crack in there, I wouldn't worry about it yet. But if if, if it hourly or daily, you start seeing that crack getting bigger or longer or both, then yeah, you you might want to call out an engineer. Uh, and you can go through the Nevada County Contractors Association here in Nevada City, or if you're on the eastern part of the county, the Contractors Association of Truckee Tahoe, they they have uh, licensed professional engineers in their associations that you can reach out to, and uh, they would be more than happy to, to come by and take a look at it. Another thing that this potentially could cause that I hadn't even thought about until I read the release is these snowpacks can sometimes damage gas pipes. Yes, absolutely. If you have a, uh, say you have a generator on the outside of your house or you have a gas fireplace on the inside, you do have a meter, gas meter on the outside of your house. So you probably need to check that and make sure, first of all, if you smell something in your house, gas, natural gas or propane gas, you need to get out, you know, call the fire department, call somebody to come in here and verify that, that your living place is safe, your residence is safe. But on the outside of the house where you do have some, maybe you had some snow drop off your roof and maybe it's packed up and it's covered up your gas meter and your gas line. Those are places where if they get bent or damaged, it could cause leaks on the outside. So if you smell that gas or that odor, you need to call the fire department or emergency and have somebody come out there and make sure that your house is not in danger. That was Nevada County's building director, George Shurick. Yet another active weather system is fast approaching the foothills. Last time we received heavy snowfall, and this time around, experts are predicting heavy rainfall. KVMR's Al Stoller asked Corey Miller, a meteorologist of the National Weather Service in Sacramento, why exactly it is that snowstorms are giving way to rainstorms. Corey, what has changed to turn this series of snowstorms into a warm pineapple express? The main thing is the storm is just tapping into a different moisture stream. It's able to tap into that moisture that's over the Pacific. It's a little bit further west as it drops down towards California. And because of that, it's able to tap into higher moisture levels, which will bring heavier rain, but it also will bring the higher snow levels along with it. Where our other storms stayed a little more east and kind of came down south along the coast and had cooler Canadian air with it along with the lower snow levels but didn't have quite as much moisture with it. They're both coming from the north but you know the ones that we're going to see late week into this weekend originate a little further west and as they drop down they'll be able to tap into that warmer Pacific higher moisture. 
There is a high-pressure ridge over the Gulf of Alaska. I wonder if that is steering the storms toward us. Yeah, it's definitely helping, helping push the storms uh, down towards California. There are some possible thunderstorms forecast Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, we're just going to see some instability with these systems. Friday would be the best day to see thunderstorms, lightning, gusty winds, brief heavy rain, and even some small accumulating hail will be the main threat with any thunderstorms. Hail means you're getting strong updrafts up there to carry those hailstones upwards, let them grow larger, and then they fall, perhaps get carried upwards again before they finally reach the ground. Yeah, you get hail when you have a good, strong updraft uh, with a thunderstorm. I understand there's a possibility of another atmospheric river system coming in next week. Uh, yes, we're keeping an eye on an additional storm. So we'll see the one storm that'll move in uh, later in the day on Thursday and continue Friday with showers Saturday and Sunday. And then another water system looks to affect Northern California later Monday into Tuesday. So and it does look like another warmer storm with uh, higher snow levels. Is there much uncertainty in the model results as far as that later storm? Uh, yeah, there's still some uncertainty with it, especially when it comes to snow levels and exact precipitation amounts is still fairly uncertain at this point. We'll potentially see some flooding with these warmer storms. The foothills saw tons of snow, uh, as you know, over the last several weeks with these colder storm systems. And we are going to see a lot of that snow melt in the two to 5,000 foot range. That is the greatest area of concern uh, for snow melt. Uh, elevations above 5,000, a lot of the rain should be absorbed by the snowpack. The overall average temperature of the snowpack is a little warmer in those lower elevations, so it's at risk of melting as this rain comes in, and that will lead to rises on rivers, creeks, and streams, and could result also in some roadway flooding. You know, over the storm drains and stuff like that could lead to some roadway flooding as it melts. And at the higher elevations, say 5,000 feet and above, if the snow absorbs the rain but doesn't melt, that could put a lot of stress on rooftops. That is a concern. The snow is already quite heavy, given how much of it there is. When you add more water, uh, the snow will become even heavier. So yes, that is a concern. If it's at all possible, people should shovel off their roofs. Something you should consider if you safely can do so, you should try and remove some of the snow, but make sure you're doing it safely. Corey, it's been very good speaking with you. Thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. I'm speaking with Corey Miller, meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Sacramento. For KVMR, I'm Al Stoller. That's our newscast for this Wednesday, March 8th. Visit us online at kvmr.org and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. KVMR gets support from... Alpine Aviation, since 1990, offering chartered and scenic flights with personalized schedules and destinations, plus flight instruction and aircraft rentals, located at the Nevada County Airport, off Loma Rica Road, Grass Valley. Information at flyalpine.com. And Mama Madrone's Eco Emporium, online and on Broad Street in Nevada City, offering fair trade, sustainably made clothing for men, women, and children, plus local artisan gifts, jewelry, housewares, and accessories. Store information and shopping at mamamadrones.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Julia Jem. Have a good evening and stay safe.